Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. President Trump has unveiled his so-called deal of the century at the White House. I want this deal to be a great deal for the Palestinians. It has to be. Today's agreement is a historic opportunity for the Palestinians to finally achieve an independent state of their very own. After 70 years of little progress, this could be the last opportunity they will ever have. But what Trump and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu call a plan for peace is being called by Palestinians a demand for their surrender. Joining me to discuss is Noor Erekat, human rights attorney, professor at Rutgers University and author of Justice for Some, Law and the Question of Palestine. Welcome, Noura, to Pushback. What is your reaction to President Trump's so-called peace plan? You know, initially my reaction was one of, uh, this is par for the course, it's more political theatrics, the Trump administration is rolling out something that is absolutely inconceivable and will be rejected by the entire international community. Upon watching the actual, his actual presentation of it, the use of maps and the discourse um, of certain things that we should be mindful of, I think it's much more dangerous than I even originally thought. Uh, this is about entrenching the status quo of Palestinians into permanent subjugation and a condition of unfreedom. That it, there is no context there. And for the past four years, the Trump administration has made clear that they are not interested in any kind of parity or dignity or equality by defunding UNRWA, moving the embassy, um, defunding East Jerusalem hospitals and clo closing the PLO mission. There's no Palestinians that are actually present. Um, but we already know that this is a non-starter. And yet the language that he used, including that Palestinians would have a would be would have a state, it would be contiguous, that it would be that East Jerusalem would be a capital, that no Palestinians will be removed from their home, also offered a very sophisticated veneer where somebody listening who doesn't know anybody better will actually contemplate this, will actually give it a think that it might be reasonable. And you can already see headlines that are describing it as reasonable. And so Here's where we have to unpeel what's going on. When they say, uh, when he says a, a Palestinian capital in East Jerusalem, he means in East Jerusalem suburbs. So the same kind of non-starter that we've had for years. When he says that Palestinians aren't going to be removed from their home, he means that they could be just permanently stuck in their home where they can't travel, they can't, they can't leave, they can't come back in, they can't that they can't, they will not have the freedom of movement, that they will be placed in some high-tech prison. When they say that the Palestinian, that this will be a state, they don't say that it will be a state without sovereignty that doesn't trade, that's demilitarized, that doesn't control its borders. When they say that that it'll be not, that it'll be contiguous, they don't tell you upon what, what basis is that contiguity. How will these lands be connected to one another given that the settler settlement infrastructure is not going to be removed? That has that was what was so dangerous about listening to this, because rather than be outwardly laughable and outward just rejected from the outright, uh, Trump has actually used some some speak that uh, I think the liberal media will once again fail to interrogate. So Netanyahu spoke with Trump and he made uh, no he was not apprehensive at all in expressing his elation with uh, Trump's plan. And one of the things that Netanyahu touted was that Trump was recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Jordan Valley. Too many plans tried to pressure Israel 
to withdraw from vital territory like the Jordan Valley. But you, Mr. President, you recognize that Israel must have sovereignty in the Jordan Valley and the other in other strategic areas of Judea and Samaria. Rather than pay easy lip service to Israel's security and simply shut your eyes, hope for the best, you recognize that Israel must have sovereignty in places that enable Israel to defend itself by itself. So that's Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Nor Erekat, can you explain for us what, why Netanyahu is so pleased uh, with this, uh, with this policy move by Trump? For obvious reasons, basically Trump is is making sure that Israel does not have to negotiate on a single thing, minus that they have to tolerate the presence of Palestinians and you know concentrated on their own, you know, Palestinian homelands, what are equivalent to black homelands or Bantustans, what are equivalent to reservations, but that they would get to control um, all the borders. Consider that the Jordan Valley is already under de facto annexation. It constitutes 30% of the West Bank and is also part of Area C, which came under Israeli civil and military jurisdiction in the aftermath of the Oslo peace process. And so these are all of the areas that Israel has been steadily encroaching upon by removing Palestinians, declaring firing zones, declaring as military areas, and planting settlers um, incrementally so that their settler population is up by 200 uh, percent from 1993 to the present. And so what the Trump administration has basically done is says, okay, now it's yours by fiat, by fiat, as if it was uh, U.S.'s land to give, as if there wasn't some international consensus that the U.S. shepherded in U.N. Security Council Resolution 242 that subjected these territories to negotiations beyond that, as if there wasn't some agreed upon consensus that there is no acquisition of territory by force, not under a defensive war, not an aggressive war. Uh, this is an outright war crime. And so to what's so frustrating, Aaron, is that any of this is given any airtime and contemplated as reasonable. That is what has become so frustrating. This, for most Palestinians, it's more for, of the same. The conditions have only worsened. But what this, is what this really signals is a moment of reckoning for Americans, that if there was an opportunity for American taxpayers who are part and parcel of this conflict to be in some sort of denial that this is just complicated, it's confusing, they just need to sit down and, and get along, there is no room for denial anymore. The president of the United States has proposed a war crime to resolve a conflict that subjugates Palestinians into a permanent condition of unfreedom and hailed it as a peace deal, the deal of the century. That is horrifying. And so that is, I, I don't know how else to react to this except to look around and just wait for what should be unanimous condemnation of this move by the Trump administration and Israel. At the ceremony today, there are people like Sheldon Adelson, ultra right-wing fanatics when it comes to Israel who are openly celebrating this. Do you think though that there is some culpability here on the part of previous administrations, including democratic administrations, 
You know, when Barack Obama was on his way out of office, there was an article in the New Yorker magazine basically talking about that um, Obama was shocked to see maps at the end of his administration showing how settlement expansion in the occupied West Bank had expanded under his watch. Do you think that the previous administrations have a role in this too and that to effectively stop this, there, that needs to be included in the conversation as well? 1,000%. The worst way to report about this plan, this apartheid plan, is to make it about the, the messengers, is to make it about Trump, is to make it about Netanyahu. This is not about the brokers of peace and whether or not they could be better. This is about a structure and a structure of U.S. imperialism in the Middle East at, at, at which the Israel is a cornerstone of that policy. Trump, what Trump has done is he has brought to a logical conclusion five decades of, of U.S. foreign policy or U.S. imperial policy as regards the question of Palestine. Without those previous administrations, Obama, Clinton, uh, Bush, Bush uh, Sr., uh, even Carter, uh, Reagan, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, Gerald Ford, without all of them in succession, who, they have steadily laid the ground for, groundwork for this moment that Trump can oversee. Oh, and Clinton, of course, uh, being a primary interlocutor as well. They have all laid the groundwork by speaking out of both sides of their mouth. On the one hand, condemning settlements as a violation of international law and counterproductive to peace. On the other hand, providing Israel with unequivocal US military, economic, and diplomatic support and so that they can shield them and enable them to entrench their, uh, entrench their presence uh, entrench their colonial takings and now bring us to the moment where the status quo is such that we live in a one-state reality and news media wants to ask, well, what's, what are the terms of negotiation and how, how, how can Palestinians make it better, failing to basically absolving themselves of all responsibility, decades, decades of, of um, I don't even know how to describe it, decades of violent policy that has led to this moment. It would not be possible without previous U.S. administrations. Let me ask you finally to respond to what Trump and Netanyahu said about the next four years, basically laying out a timetable uh, by which Palestinians have to effectively surrender. And this is how Netanyahu talked about it. Regardless of the Palestinian decision, Israel will preserve the path of peace in the coming years. For at least four years, Israel will maintain the status quo in areas that your plan does not designate as being part of Israel in the future. At the same time, Israel will apply its laws to the Jordan Valley, to all the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, and to other areas that your plan designates as part of Israel and which the United States has agreed to recognize as part of Israel. So that's Netanyahu. Nora, sounds like he is saying that we are going to continue expanding settlements across the occupied West Bank and also uh, ramp up uh, the occupation of the Jordan Valley. He said very, very clearly, we're not going to waste time on what Palestinians decide they want to do. We'll just go ahead and apply civilian law in the Jordan Valley, which they've already done. They have 9,000 settlers there. Palestinians are not allowed access to most of it. They are concentrated in Jericho, designated as Area A. They are denied access to the Dead Sea, a global tourist destination where people come to float for fun and Palestinians that live there don't have access to it. This is an apartheid reality. That is what he was boasting about.
this is an apartheid reality and it is being framed as a peace deal. And what's really scary is that it resets the button for everybody watching who says, but wait, that sounded pretty reasonable. They want peace and, 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 and they're ready for it. And they want to rec- they even said Palestinians, they recognize Palestinians, except they don't take into account that the absence of violence is not peace. They want to cage Palestinians in high tech prisons permanently and call that peace. That is what is at stake. There were previous timetables that were presented at the UN Security Council based on international law and policy, based on international consensus that would end the occupation. And Israel and the US torpedoed those timelines that have been presented by France and by by other interlocutors. The only plan that's being contemplated is an imposition of US-Israeli preferences on the Palestinians. For anybody who just doesn't understand what the problem is, the problem is Palestinians have been steadily removed from their lands and their homes by force. They are forcibly exiled. Their existence has been denied. They have been fighting for freedom, sovereignty, self-representation, the right to belong and to be home in their place. Jewish settlers are placed and are, are, are now afforded sovereignty in contravention of policies all over the rest of the world. And when Palestinians protest these conditions, we, they, are then accused of being anti-Semitic. That is what the problem is. If you want to understand a greater, a greater deal of how we got here, what this looks like, the first thing to do is to protest these top-down laws that are forbidding us from advocating for boycott, divestment, and sanctions is to, to push back on the Trump administration's new executive order that has equated any kind of criticism with Israel as anti-Semitic. Enable us to have these discussions. Enable us to teach this in the classroom. Enable us to, to produce the knowledge on this and then consume it. And then consume it, if not through liberal media, which is, uh, is its, its own problematic, then through alternative media, uh, like your program, Aaron, and like other programs, including Jadalia, of which I am a co-editor. That's right. That's right. Um, a fantastic outlet that I also recommend. Noor Arakat, thank you so much for your time. Human rights attorney, assistant professor at, Ruck- at Rutgers, and author of Justice for Some, Law, and the Question of Palestine. Thank you, Noor. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs>